Hey guys, it's Eric. My name's Loudon. Loudon Swain. Last week I turned 18. I wasn't ready for it. I haven't done anything yet. So I made this deal with myself. This year I make my mark. Hey guys, this is Joe. The girl of my dreams lives under my own roof, but she thinks I'm just a kid. A dumb jock, all of which is more or less true. I'm dying, Mrs. Tannerin. Just like the girl in the poem, only quicker and with a heart on. Ever since the girl of his dreams moved into Loudon's house, he can't keep his mind on what he's doing. And he certainly can't do what's on his mind. But give the guy a break. When you're in love, you can do some seriously crazy things. This is the new film from the executive producers of Flashdance. Vision Quest, rated R. Starts Friday, February 15th at a theater near you. Hey guys, you're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not bad, Eric. Not bad. Good, good. Anything new? Um, so as, as I've been talking about the last few episodes, Mr. Robot, we finished up our rewatch and man, the payoff in that show is so good. It's, I can definitely see, like, it's one of those shows like The Sopranos where the ending will most definitely upset some people. It's polarizing a little bit. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I love that. I love, I love when uh, a career takes a risk like that and kind of, because like, if, if it's a safe ending, those shows are kind of forgotten about sometimes. So it's like the ambiguous endings, the endings that are polarizing are the ones that are talked about for years to come. I, I like that. I will, <clears throat> I'm the one person on earth, I think, who was never, I never really got into the Sopranos, but I like what you're, I see what you're saying and I agree with you. What I don't like is when the ending is polarizing because they stretched it out for like one or two more seasons. But if, but yeah, I get what you're saying. If you, if it just for creative reasons, you like take a, you turn left when everyone expects you to turn right. I respect that. Yeah, no, I agree. Something like Lost, for example, might be the show like you're like where you're talking about how it went on for too long and the ending was just kind of all over the place whereas a show like miss robot was planned out only one four seasons seven episodes each 13 episodes whatever so it was planned out the entire way through um, or even a show like like i know this is like the most bro thing ever but like entourage i people people knock entourage but i love entourage and the first three or four seasons of entourage were amazing and 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 it did it, it it held on too long and you probably didn't need to do the movie and all that stuff so you know it happens i get it like it's easy for me to say you shouldn't hold on too long but if someone waves like a hundred million dollar contract in your face or whatever they write you know i get it but i will say oh, i was actually talking about entourage because right after mr robot my brother and i started um we're like kind of rewatching these other shows that we this one we never finished but i've always wanted to because i love brian fuller we jumped back into hannibal Yep. Um, so we watched the first season of that and we're going to be banging out the next two seasons within the next couple of weeks but um, with Entourage we actually brought that up the other day talking about how the endings of each episode of Entourage is so good to the point where it hooks you to that watch the next episode and it's like this continuous loop yep. the way they end their episodes is some of my favorite and it's it's the perfect like rewatchable show I was just talking about this with my wife um, the other day because uh, the Red Sox announced their schedule. This is how weird of times we live in. The Red Sox are going to start playing their their 2020 season to uh, Friday, and uh, so 
And then almost like the day after they announced that, they announced their schedule for 2021. So my friends and I, me and the Howes brothers are planning a trip down to, we're going to try to catch them at the end of the next season. Obviously this is all based on life being back to some sort of, you know, normal state, but they're playing in Baltimore and then DC. They're ending next year and they're ending the 21, 2021 season in DC. And I was telling my wife Bree how, the, the last time I went down to Baltimore for a Sox game, my friend Jim had this car that was like extremely mediocre. But when you're like, I would have been 22. It was like the most amazing car ever. And he had a, he had a DVD player in it and he had kind of found a loophole around the security feature where you're only supposed to be able to watch movies when you're in park. So we just drove down to Baltimore and watched like five seasons of entourage. We also watched, uh, the black donnelly's which i know you love so yeah that's awesome but yeah that's funny <clears throat> um so I've, I've been real quick what i've been watching is i've gone on this spree of re-watching a lot of movies <clears throat> that cover people dealing with like life in their 20s like some of the classic ones like uh i don't know what i started with but um i think i started with kicking and screaming which not the will ferrell kicking and screaming Kicking and Screaming from, uh, I think it's like 95 or something. Um, and then I was like, what are some other movies I can I can go over? I don't know. You know what started is I was, I think it was the Rewatchables, Bill Simmons podcast did St. Elmo's Fire. So I started with that. Then I did Kicking and Screaming, then Big Chill. So I've been going through this weird thing, which might be foreshadowing into an upcoming episode, although I haven't, I haven't decided on that. But um, that's what I've been watching. And then I've been watching a ton of exhibition baseball, getting ready for regular baseball, uh, regular season baseball, which is starting up uh, tomorrow. So, um, yeah, everything's good. So awesome. today, no, I, go I ahead. Say, yeah. I was going to say, what, what are we? Uh, <clears throat> you can segue with your beer and talk about the, the underrated gem that we'll be watching. Yeah, the beer. I guess we'll start with the beer. It might be. It's one of the better pairings we've had so far. So I'm tonight. I'm drinking uh, Love and Wrestling from Mayflower Brewing, which is, I believe, in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And what <clears throat> what movie goes better with Love and Wrestling better than the 1985 classic? And this movie is very 1985. Uh, in it's Vision Quest, uh, the Matthew Modine high school wrestling slash romance slash coming of age slash just the most 80s movie ever um that that i it, like i said i think it's a classic 80s movie and what i mean by that is it's a movie that definitely has its flaws some of them are very obvious and but even though it stumbles at times i always find myself smiling through most of it which that's what i was when i rewatched this when i sat down to rewatch this this movie that's what i was thinking i was like i have only pleasant memories of this movie it's been a while since i'd up until today it had been a while since i watched it but that's what i went to it with you had not seen it correct i have i don't i knew nothing about this movie so last week was pretty much when you brought it up was my first memory of it i guess um actually after my first memory was so last week when you mentioned it i've never heard of it i looked up after that show i watched was pretty much was pretty misleading from my understanding so i Watched this show that Warner Archives put out to market this movie a couple years ago, 
and because I guess they, I think they have like an on-demand pressing of this movie. You can buy it through their website. Okay. And, and they market it as a romance film. So when I watched it, I went into my first impression was this is going to be a nice little rom-com film. You know, this is, this is I'm going to love this. Um, and not, and I, 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 well, I did like it, but I was completely misled thinking it was going to be a romance film. Going into like it's just, it's more focused on his life, I guess, than the actual romance part of it. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's really like a coming of age movie, and yeah. it's, but but yeah, um, it's got a little bit of romance because it's because it's it's not a sports movie either. Like it is a little bit, but it's 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 a little bit of it's an eighteen year old boy movie. So, um, so your that was your your first memory of the movie was last week. Right. Um, I don't remember my first time actually watching Vision Quest, but I know that I heard about it from my friend Adam one of the house brothers i think that and i don't remember why i was trying to think of this today and i don't remember why i would remember this but i think it started with us talking about the movie gladiator not the russell crowe gladiator but there's a boxing movie from the early 90s have you ever seen that yeah it doesn't it doesn't shock me it's actually got it's got brian dennehy and cuba Gooding jr in it and we will, I'll give you a break for we did vision quest. So I'm going to, I'm not going to spring it on you like next week, but we will eventually, if we stick with the podcast for long enough, do gladiator. Cause it's, I would love to go back and rewatch. It's a, it's a boxing movie, but I think it started with us talking about that. And then it, it turned into Adam saying, well, you've seen vision quest, right? And I was totally unaware of it. So I think I was probably like early teenager when I saw it. So like late nineties, maybe 2000. So, but it's a total, it's a it's a, a niche movie like it's it's tough to sell people on you know like if, if someone's if someone is going to is willing to see vision quest they've probably seen vision quest and unless you have a podcast with them where you have you can force them to watch movies that <laughs> that they would never see you, you you're gonna have a hard time but but yeah <laughs> so do you have some stats i know i know we had a hard time finding the the budget um yeah. but how it did financially yeah, so the movie came out on February 15th, 1985, and it made $13 million in the box office. Um, it was written by Daryl Ponixon, if I'm pronouncing that right, and directed by Harold Becker. The film also featured the first motion picture appearance by Madonna uh, as she's singing in the bar. And this was actually going to be one of my um, like little Easter eggs, but I'll say it here because it kind of goes along with it. In this scene, she plays uh, the song uh, Crazy For You, which the movie was actually marketed as that title in other countries to kind of because she was getting popular at this point so they wanted to yes. try and market this film around her didn't really go as planned but and that, that was one of the facts that i had written down well and i had a question that i atta- i had kind of attached to it so i guess i'll we can just get through it now do you think this movie would have done better financially and critically if it was named crazy for you i think anything other than vision quest which makes it sound very sci-fi-ish would have worked better that's that's i've read that criticism before about the sci-fi I get and, it. I, and, I, and i get i get the, I, yeah. I i realized what vision quest meant until watching the movie but like someone right. who went into this movie not knowing anything about it the title's super misleading yeah yeah no i agree with that i i i, I agree with that 100 percent. actually i the vision quest thing once you see it you get it but I could see how there'd be someone like at a marketing firm for the, for the, the, the production company that's like, yeah, but no one knows what that means. So 
yeah, so it did not great financially, especially considering it had Madonna in it. And it had the greatest. It had it had the soundtrack's insane. We'll get into that later. But I kind of I, I kind of wish I saw the budget. I, I could find the budget because I want to know like how much of it went to Madonna or went to you know the soundtrack alone because they have some big some big artists involved with this <laughs> Matthew, thing. Matthew Matthew Modine got like a ham and cheese sandwich <laughs> and like a twenty bucks a day. But hey, whatever you know. Critically, it was mixed, which is not surprising. It's it's a 57 percent of Rotten Tomatoes, six point six. Oh no, yeah, fifty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, six point six on IMDb. Roger Ebert actually loved this movie. Well, not loved it. That's strong, but he liked it a lot. He gave it three and a half stars. And I want to read a quote from. I actually watched. Which, if you want to feel old, I mean, this movie came out in February of eighty-five. I was born in July of eighty-five, so I wasn't even alive when this movie came out. But um, there seems to be a line for me with eighties television and movies where, like. And I think it's like 86, 87. If you see a movie or a show that was made in 87 or 88, it looks 80s, but it doesn't look like drastically lower quality. This movie, like the lighting, and given part of it was the, the budget, you know, because like you see Back to the Future and it's not the case. You see Jaws from 75 and it looks great, but the lighting in early 80s or up to 85 was not great. But so I was, anyway, I was watching this review of Ebert's show where he, uh, he gave, I watched the actual, watched the video of him giving his review. And then this is a, a quote from his written review of the movie. So he says, we think we know the story pretty well already. Young wrestler has two dreams. A, win the state championship. And B, win the love of a girl. The defending state champion is a man mountain who carries telephone poles to the top of stadiums. The girl is an independent drifter who is 20 years old and doesn't take the hero seriously. By the end of the movie, the only suspense is whether it will end with the victory in bed or in the ring. Although Vision Quest sticks pretty close to that outline, it is nevertheless a movie with some nice surprises, mostly because it takes the time to create some interesting characters. And I read that after I had kind of written my notes down, but I, I really agree with it. I, I think that what, you know, obviously this movie is not the greatest movie ever made, but I think what definitely gives it a boost up is the supporting cast. And we've talked about that in other movies about how it can either help or hurt a film. So um, came out in February of 85. Some other things that were going on in that world uh, at the time, at that time in the world, uh, as far as movies, I tried to find some cool movie releases from February of 85. There was not a bunch of them. The only one that I found that was worth noting was witness with Harrison Ford, which is a, a classic. So, um, we're going to kind of gloss over the movies because the rest of them were not great. Um, New York, New York became the official anthem of New York City, which is awesome. Oh, that's I cool. That's that's a, yeah, it's fitting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Madonna's Like a Virgin was number one for three weeks. Uh, Whitney Houston's self-titled debut album is released, which I would that surprised me. I thought she would be around before 85, but I guess she just kind of I guess it's because uh, she's been around my, or she up until recently, she was around my whole life. So, and then uh, Patrick Roy made his NHL debut with uh, the Montreal Canadiens, Les Habitants. So that's really it. A lot of the other um, stuff was sad. So we're trying to skip over that stuff as much as possible. But it's funny how frequently we're talking about Madonna lately between the uh, League of Their League Own. Of Their Own. Right. And now this, and then she's her number one. We have the most. Out? We have the most, I was thinking about this, we have the most accidental and random 
like multiple appearance lists like um cooch he was in 16 candles right and so we have him oh i i was like thinking about him the other day oh um heather graham you know you think that if you're going to have uh if you're doing 80s and 90s movies for the most part yeah you're going to have you know a handful of like john hughes like the, the rat the the rat pack or like stuff like that but you would not think i'm going to have uh madonna multiple times heather graham i think we've had heather graham like two or three times yeah um so yeah no totally random so um to give people an idea of the the plot of the movie do you have the back of the dvd summary i do high school wrestler Loudon Swain is a man of is a man obsessed, trying to shed 23 pounds in a dangerously short time and take on Shoot, the undefeated, tough as nails, 168-pound champion who's the best wrestler in the state. Matthew Modine stars as the mop-headed student, under, uh, undeterred in his vision quest, until a day a sexy drifter threatens to pin Loudon in his dreams to the mat of unrequired love. His soundtrack features journeys only the young foreigners. Hot blooded and John Waits change. In her first film, Madonna shines while performing Gambler and Crazy for You. You go crazy for Vision Quest. Madonna shines is a little, a little strong. It's, I mean, she's in, the, <laughs> know, she's in there for three minutes, four minutes. Yeah, so it's just like saying Madonna has a cameo, <laughs> right. and she doesn't completely mess it up. So, um, yeah, I think I think why it it didn't do financially that well. The, the cast is, it was Linda Fiorentino's first movie. So she comes out of the gate swinging with this in 85. I heard, I read somewhere that it was her first audition as well. Um, I don't know that. Maybe it's like her first audition for a major film or something like that, but <clears throat> not a bad, not a bad first movie. Later on, she had Jade in 95, Men in Black in 97, Dogma in 99. So the 90, 90s were kind of better for, for her than than the 80s were Matthew Modine he had a few films before this but 85 and 87 he had Vision Quest so he had this in 85 and then Full, Full Metal Jacket in, in 87 uh, Pacific Heights in 90 Shortcuts in 93 he had some other ones in between this but I'm just kind of trying to pick out some of the more well-known films that he had and recently he's kind of been a character actor and he's had some TV success with uh, Stranger Things and Weeds so I was say yeah, I, I knew he looked familiar watching this movie because, this, again, I haven't seen Maldini at, at a young age. So I knew he looked familiar, but like you said, he was um, in Stranger Things, and he played a pretty big character. He played um, oh, Brentner, I think his name was. So And he's he looks pretty good for his age at 61 years old. Yeah, he does. He does. And, and yeah, so he – but you can see how, like – so this is Linda Fiorentino's first movie, which, by the way, if I if I, during this recording – say linda fiorentini i apologize it's because the mayor where joe and i live his name's fiorentini and i was like trying to think of it today and i was like i kept saying fiorentini when i was thinking to myself and i was like oh, i'm gonna mess that up but it's like when we did jaws i've seen jaws literally a hundred plus times and when we were talking about the town i said amityville and it's amity and amity island and i was like i I've never even seen the Amityville horror films, but it's just like, it's so in my, in my mind. So, um, and then, uh, Michael Earl Scheffling, I might be pronouncing that uh, incorrectly, but so Cooch 
So we played Jake Ryan in 16 Candles. So he's another one of our random multiple appearance actors. Uh, and then Vision Quest in 85. He had both of those in 85. Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken in 91. And after that, he retired. And he now makes furniture in Pennsylvania. He lives with his wife and makes furniture in Pennsylvania. So, which, which, Who did he play in the movie again? Who is this? Cooch, the, in, the Native oh. American. Oh, cool. Okay, I really see No, because like you said, I, I knew... I can't. I, I know what his real name was going. What his real name was, but I, that's kind of cool how he kind of got out of acting and focused on yeah. actual passion. I assume. Well, yeah. The the article I read, he did. He did like some modeling. He was also a legitimate wrestler. He got scholarships for wrestling. He was a U.S. Junior Wrestling Team member, so he was like a legit stud wrestler. And I read that he got married. He had kids, and he was like that lifestyle doesn't really give me enough time to spend with my family. So he he moved to Pennsylvania or I don't know if he was already living in Pennsylvania and just decided to, to take up furniture making, which were interesting. Really cool. Yeah. 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 So those are the three, it's really Matthew Modine and Lydia Fiorentino, but um, those are the three people that I had, had written down uh, for like to kind of check in with going into this movie. Um, some other, I, we kind of covered one of them, some other, as far as the crazier for you possible thing, but um some other random facts. So, um, Linda Fiorentino, who plays like the older woman who Matthew Modine gets obsessed with, she was actually only a year older than Matthew Modine in real life. And like we said, this is her first, first movie, first audition straight out of drama school. Um, at Loudon's first wrestling match at his desired weight, this is what I wrote down for you. I was like, I would have skipped over this, but I, I was like, Joe would love this one. At Loudon's first wrestling match at his desired weight, the high school band plays the Ewok theme song from Star Wars Return of the Jedi, which came out the year Vision Quest was filmed. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that's yeah, so really I'm gonna, cool. I'm going to give you a reason to go back and rewatch at least one scene from Vision Quest. <laughs> um, the author of Vision Quest, so this is based on, I think, a book. He makes a cameo appearance in the movie. He's the mustache man sitting next to Mr. Tanneran in the stands during the match, during the big match. Um, so that's another one. Frank Jasper, who played Shoot, the the you know the bad guy, the the although he wasn't really a bad guy, he was just kind of like no, he was actually pretty, he was actually right, he was actually like he never really didn't, he didn't talk a whole lot of smack. Which I was like, it's, it was kind of a refreshing to see a uh, kind of like the bad guy not be a real bad guy. <laughs> like he was, right, he's just a he's just a tough tough. Right. He's doing what he's supposed to do, yeah. And he later appeared as the hobo with the sign reading, I will wrestle you for food in the Van Halen video right now. So wrestling's a big thing for Frank Jasper. And the last one that I have is uh, in Loudon's wrestle off against Cooch. He beats him with a move called the lateral drop or lat drop. Uh, he beats Shoot with the same move. So I don't know if Matthew Modine was like, just teach me one wrestling maneuver. Um, and that was it. But yeah, see, that's his go-to. That's, that's actually really cool things that I had errors more than anything else. There, just, those are there. There was always, in every movie you're going to get an error, but these are always, it's always kind of fun to have a reason to go back to and kind of look for them. But one of the uh, errors was during the final match, the ref doesn't have an actual whistle in his mouth. So <laughs> he's just kind of like, <laughs> it's a really interesting. It's like, where did that come from? Right, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, in the, as a continui- continuity error in the match between Loudon and shoot the referee clearly says no takedown as they go out of bounds but yet he brings them back to line Loudon takes a down position and the score is two nothing in shoots favor and the king of takedown has been actually awarded 
So yeah, yeah, because he says no takedown out of bounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that makes which, sense. Which are things I I would never count unless looking at these lists. But yeah, you'd then, have to be a wrestler to, and I'm not a wrestler. I, I yeah. So yeah, and I don't. I actually, I, don't, I, I was like learning the rules because again, I never watched fake wrestling or real wrestling. I guess what this was, but I was trying to learn the rules as I was watching this. So I was trying to figure out like you know what was worth, you know what takedowns were worth, what a pin was worth. So such kind yeah. of learning experience at the same time, just kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, it's kind of a little fun blunder as well. One, one of the scenes, the boom mic was visible. So as Lauren and his father move to a corner to speak privately in the restaurant, which takes place in the beginning, the boom mic can be seen in the bottom of the screen between them. <laughs> so when they're discussing if they want to have Carla stay with them, you can see a little boom mic. I think the boom mic is actually also available, uh, visible in my least favorite scene in the whole movie, which we'll, we'll get into that. Um, oh, that'll come up when you do favorite scene. I'll, I'll drop that in. But um, another, I, I hadn't written it down, but I was thinking of it when, when I was watching it is, so you would talk about like, just didn't make sense errors. So I got a question. If you're, if you live in New Jersey and your goal is to, get to san francisco i think she said yeah how do you end up in washington state right and like she said she was hitchhiking the entire way that she like hitchhiked like she's not we know where she was going when she was hitchhiking like i know i was thinking about that too. yeah yeah and then the hitchhiking thing so what you just said makes me think of another thing so hitchhiking obviously that hasn't aged well that's not <laughs> if you're anyone out there if you think about hitchhiking that's Don't. A, a thumbs down <laughs> listen to any listen to any true crime podcast for 10 minutes and <laughs> you listen to three episodes two of them will start with like joe is a hitchhiker or mostly girls it happens a lot to girls which is crazier and then the other thing was um uh elmo so so uh loudon's friend that he works at the he was kind of like a a big brother figure or like a another father figure to him yeah. who he works at the hotel with <laughs> when he that scene where he's making uh he makes them like, I think it's like a, it almost sounded like a veggie burger. Um, and he's like smoking a cigarette. He's, he's leaning over the food that he's making, smoking a cigarette. And I think we've talked about it before, but nothing will make you realize the change that has happened with cigarettes, like rewatching eighties and even nineties movies and how just, it was, it was just part of life in our, in when I was growing up and whatever. And, and there was a, a quick 180 but which is i'm i'm happy about but right so do you have anything written down for uh things that wouldn't fly today i'm sure you should there was you know there was a couple like between the dialogues between dialogue and then i have the scene where he throws her on the bed i mentioned something yeah. about fucking her and that came to mind pretty quickly when i was thinking about scenes that would not age well now or even then <laughs> but, yeah yeah i know the 80s they're, they're, were a different time but so that scene really threw me off when that happened. I like it was so out of character for I felt like for, for him without a doubt. Yeah. So so I have I have two th I have that which is like a definite, and then I have two other things. So the first thing is Cooch thinking he's Native American and kind of telling people he's Native American and wearing random feathers like, in his hair. God, yeah. I, was, I was like, oh my god, I know. Right. I think that wouldn't fly, but I do think that part of it is he's like. And you kind of learn this when you see the scene with his dad. He's kind of embarrassed by what he really is. He's not 100% sure of who he is. So 
not saying that's okay to do, but he, I don't think he was doing it with bad intent. I think he was just kind of embarrassed by the reality of his life. And so he was kind of creating another character um, to replace it. So that's one. And then the second one is a lot of, and this is like, you know, high school boys, high school boy movies, a lot of homophobic jokes, um, not defending it um, at all, but that also comes from insecurities. Guys, especially high school guys, are just so obsessed with being like macho that they throw that stuff around because they're so insecure is really what it is. Again, not defending it at all. It just, it sucks and it's stupid, uh, but it happened, probably still happens. I, I hope that it happens less. And I, and I, I really think it happens less, but I, I'm not in high school anymore. So I'm not, high school is the worst dude. Like yeah. it's like, it's okay. people that are. Yeah, I'd right? be okay with completely forgetting about high school. I'm not attending ever, any reunion ever from here on out. I'm, I'm pretty much. Yeah. It's just like, whether it's girls just tearing each other down for like everything or guys doing stuff like that and calling everyone a homophobic slur or whatever. And it's all, it's. Right. And, and, and what you wish that people would know, and like, I wish I knew this in high school is no one is cool in high school. Everyone, everyone hates themselves. And that's why, that's where it all comes from is they're all just insecure losers and whatever that that's enough. We don't need, I'm not a shrink and we don't need my, <laughs> my view on life, but, um, I've, watched, the one, I've been watching two shows about shrinks. So I, I'm, I'm getting kind of, I'm getting familiar with all the questions to ask here. So what are, what are, what are the shows? Mr. Robot and Hannibal. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So, so you're pretty much a licensed. So I'm, I'm a pro. <laughs> yeah. But the one that definitely won't fly, I don't care how insecure you are, whatever, is the, the, the attempted sexual assault on, on Carla. God, I know. Like, a, even, even at 85, I'm like, that's a rough, like, even back then, I feel like that's like a, for he's a high school student now doing this, and that couldn't have been right back then. Like, I. No. No, like, I do like that she need him in the balls and yeah. and like I like that it ended, not not that you don't want that to happen, but I like that it, she was like she kind of like knocked him down fifty pegs and was like, who the fuck do you think you are? Right. She like, kind of all a role reverse, so she was she took charge of that whole scene. Yeah, which was but good. but I could have done without that scene. There are a few there are a few scenes that I I could have done without. Um, one of them we'll get into here after I give. What was your favorite scene in the movie? My favorite scene, um, the final wrestling match gimmick but it's that's, it's that's the, build, the build up to it was great the payoff was great uh the music got me really hyped when you see that termination and confidence and it's cool how that determination and confidence doesn't backfire on him like it would other films it's refreshing yeah. to see like that confidence be consistent and it's not it doesn't cripple him in the fight in the end um but i watched this with my brother and we kept questioning if he was going to die during the final fight sequence because they hinted at it a lot Right, they hinted at a lot throughout the film on him fainting. I, I know he's losing weight dangerously fast, but I don't know if there's like a and then like the poem reading. So it's like I, I wasn't sure if there's like uh, something he knew about that we didn't know about, and like if he was gonna reveal like he was sick at some point. Yeah. Um, but that kind of kept us on the edge of our seat throughout, throughout the entire thing. But yeah, the wrestling match though was awesome, and it was re- it was rewarding to see how close it was the entire time, and the music helps a lot as well. Um, I also want to give a shout out to. The scene when Lauren and Carla are traveling to his grandfather's together. Mm-hmm. Um, this goes against what I'm going to say in my things I would change, but for this small scene, it was nice because there there wasn't a lot of scenes that made us care about these characters as a romantic couple. 
Yeah. This is one of those scenes which I liked because it kind of showed that they could have worked if they had a little more time developing that or if they just, yep. so that's, I, I really liked that scene as well. Yeah. I, I, to, I didn't have this written down, but to follow up um, on what you said about the nose bleeding and <clears throat> all that is um, if I could change, this isn't what I wrote down for if I could change one thing, but I wish that they did more in showing his, like the struggle that he was going through. I wish that they did more showing him like in wrestling practice and showing him like the grind of that. And instead of just the, I'm starving myself and whatever, not that that's not difficult, but, and I, and I get it. It's hard. Wrestling's a hard sport to show, like to coordinate and, and all that. So I understand why they, they don't, but I, they, I could have done with less like jumping rope and starving yourself. Right. And if they had one more practice scene where he was like grinding out with someone and whatever, but was he, he wasn't the, sick, was he? No, no, he wasn't sick. Okay, I, I, it was I just because of the routine he was going through then. Yeah. I don't, okay. I don't know the like metal, if that would really happen or the medical like why you're supposed to think like what could cause that from not eating, right. but and I think it was just like a dehydration. And I think it's that, I think it's that poems, uh, when he's teachers asking him to talk about that poem and he gives like a pretty like serious response about death. I was like, is he dying right now? Like what the hell is happening? And like, then he uh, passes out. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, like, <laughs> yeah, no, that that's easy to see how you would be like, are you all right, man? Like, but yeah. Um, my favorite scene um is the uh the scene with uh with Elmo where he gives like the every hero Pele speech where he's like because and it's because Elmo's so I think Elmo's maybe the best character in the in the film because he's so rough around the edges and I say that in a good way he doesn't seem very well traveled or or like cultured but um that moment of him just talking about how impressed he was with Pele um it's kind of one of the best things about sports to me is the facts that the fact that athletes can kind of lift up other people and you know Elmo doesn't know soccer he doesn't speak Spanish but he's blown away by the the moment and he remembers it and it's and it sticks with him and and then the way that he takes that and kind of gets Loudon to to buy into like him telling the story and it all started with Loudon saying it's just six minutes and then he takes that kind of pulls Loudon out of his life, puts him in Pele's life, and then and, and then spins it back and says like, so it's not just six minutes. Like it is, but it's it's not. Right. So that that's what that's happens. My favorite. Those, yeah, I love that. Exactly. Quote, what happens in the six minutes? Yeah, yeah. And then my my probably a, a close runner up is uh, or not a, not even a close runner up, but that that's clearly my my favorite scene. But I do love the the quote that I gave at the beginning of of the. Uh, the podcast where he's like my name's loud and loud swain blah 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 um and then it cuts right to wrestling practice and it's just a it's just a solid like intro to a film it it doesn't feel rushed but it kind of gives you a uh an elevator pitch and what this movie's about or at least a lot of what it's about uh, my least favorite scene and the other scene where there's a boom mic i think that is visible is uh <laughs> And I've seen the scene that if you ask me, you're like, what movie should you, what scene should you take out of the film? 150%. The weird, like 
Tai Chi sexual assault. Oh my god, I know. I thought that was gonna play a bigger part in it, and it did nothing. It was just a really weird scene. <laughs> well, here's what I and I and I would remove this scene from the movie a hundred times out of a hundred, but I almost feel like and I would have to ask like the director or the or someone, but it seems like they were trying to go for like give another example of him being insecure about like his like manly his masculinity and his sexuality and all that stuff but it's like dude we got it like we we understand and the fact that the reason it bothers me even more is it's so early in the film all i was thinking of when i rewatched it was you watching the movie (laughs) and i was like imagine you convince someone you like like brie hasn't seen this film so imagine i'm like brie you got to give this movie a shot I think there, there'll be parts of it that you like and whatever. And I get her to like sit down and commit. And then five minutes into it, there's just this like sudden attempted sexual assault coming from Tai Chi. I watched it with my brother too. And Nick, at the scene happens, Nick just looks at me. He's like, what the hell are we watching? <laughs> yeah, I don't blame him. Like, what the fuck? I don't blame Nick at all. <laughs> I would ask the same question. I'd be, I'd, uh. I give, I give you guys credit for <laughs> for sticking through it because like you said it has no other play in the whole movie so if you can just get past it and and forget it happened you're like oh right if he's gonna use that technique to like help him through his like you know his strategy when getting more fit like if he's gonna use that technique then it would have made sense but he's gonna do that at all it's just like it's just it just happens and then it doesn't anymore and then the, the only other reference to it is when he's talking to cooch in the on his bike he's like and Cooch is like, do you ever get laid working at the hotel? And Cooch is, and then uh, uh, Loudon's like, no, some guy just tried to grab my wad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, so that would be my least, not my least favorite scene because it's almost so bad that it's funny. <laughs> but if I could get rid of one scene to make it a better movie, that would be it. So that's it. Yeah. Uh, and and I think this movie is like an hour and forty five minutes or something, so it could use a couple minutes trimmed and and that would be an easy like you said you could cut that out of the movie and it has no effect on the rest of the movie no big deal so um soundtrack normally you do most of the soundtrack but i just want to say this is more you i think i think this is more you this 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 go around yeah i definitely yeah it's it's a plus plus soundtrack the 80s was kind of the decade for soundtracks in my opinion and this this may not be the best 80s movie soundtrack but it's probably the most underrated or one of the most underrated only the young uh from journey sammy hagar foreigner ario speedwagon uh red riders lunatic lunatic friend which like i feel like people only know that song if they've seen this movie but every time i hear that song i love it and, and now that you know it if you remember it it'll come on the radio or pandora or whatever once in a while uh chained by john Waite. yeah that's my favorite song i end up I, that's specifically i end up shazamming just because i wasn't sure who sang that and i loved it so. and well that whole scene's so funny too because he goes from i can't remember like the big guy on the team's name like the the, the, the big guy in the, the wrestling yeah yeah but he goes from like hating loudon to <laughs> loudon like has his thing with coach and then he comes out and he starts doing the pegboard and going all the way up and and the big guy's like oh i can't do that and it's a reverse of this it's like a switch reversal he's like then he starts cheering him on he's all happy yeah he's like come on buddy (laughs) 
Yeah. And the, the funniest thing about that is, and I didn't wrestle in high school, but wrestlers are the best shape of all high school athletes. They're like the toughest, toughest guys and girls. So the fact that that impresses them, they all look like, they all look like they're like bodybuilders or like fitness models. They're all shredded. It's like any one of them in reality could have done what Matthew Modine just did. Like I almost like I could maybe do that. So the fact that they're blown away by him doing a pegboard is 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 so funny because it's like of a high school wrestling practice that would probably be the easiest thing that you would you would do. Yeah. But yeah, no, that cracked me up. But but yeah, the soundtrack: Sammy Hagar, Foreigner, Ario Speedwagon, Red Riders, Lunatic Fringe, Don Henley, um, you know, Madonna, everything. It, it's it's awesome. Even even the songs that are playing in the background of scenes, just like when they walk into a room and they're not even like a part, they're not even real true soundtrack films are, are great. So. I, I agree. I, I, you pretty much covered all of it. I'll, I, I'll just mention that this is my first time hearing a lot of these songs. So a few times, like I was saying with John Waits change, I ended up shazamming, pulling my phone to the TV. Cause I was like this, I don't want to forget the song. So I will be absolutely going back and checking out the other songs that I may have missed. Lunatic fringe is, is every time I hear lunatic fringe, like if I'm with a group of people, if say I'm with five people and like one person gets it, it's like a, it's like a bond you have because you both you know you're like all right, this guy likes or this girl likes Vision Quest. Usually a guy, not many girls are big <laughs> Vision Quest fans. At least not that I've found in my life. It could, I could be wrong about that, but um, so if you could change one thing, what would you change? My first words right here is not enough Elmo, but I 100 percent agree with that. that. Um, some of the acting made me cringe a little. I guess I never really got close to the, any of the characters until I got close to the end of the film where I started to appreciate the gentleman he worked with, Elmo in this case. And um, he got a lot of time to shine and show how much Lauren really meant to him. Um, Lauren, on the other hand, every time his character uh, almost wins me over, he has something stupid to, question me, to make me question if he's a good person, a shit person, or just 18 years old. It's, it's one of the rare, and it's also one of the rare moments where I'll say, I wish this movie focus less on the romance element and more on the wrestling. Uh, yeah. Like I mentioned earlier about the trailer, I was watching that. I was kind of led to believe this is going to be a romance film and a good romance film, but it was neither. It was a not romance film and it wasn't a good romance film. I, the show makes it look like it's going to be fun and cute, but it's anything but that. The ending scene at this point, at, this is where it's like, I was, a lot of it's kind of like hit and miss with me, but leading up to the final match, it, got me fully invested in him as a character and the wrestling story which almost like a sub story unfortunately yeah. which should have been main focus and it took me a long time to actually start feeling for him so long story short less romance more wrestling okay yeah i i, I kind of agree with most of that i think and we've said this about other films where it's like it feels like they have like one foot in one foot out and if they just focused on more of either one what uh, you know the romance with him and Carla or the wrestling it would have been better like I think they were 250 50 I think you need to be you 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 gotta do if you do a sports movie you have to have some sort of non-sport subplot because you know people that aren't into sports are gonna go see the movie and they need to have something but it should be more like 75 25 one way or the other it can be a romance movie where the kid happens to be the high school football player or it can be uh, a wrestling movie where the kid has a girlfriend and that's a part of it, but um, 
but you, you can't be split so down the middle that right. you never really – yeah, no, I agree with that. No, I, um, I, I agree what you're saying, too. That, that's why one of my favorite scenes was the van sequence, all the car sequence when they're traveling together. If they had just that scene and cut out all the romance scenes, I think I would like their relationship a little bit better. Because, yeah. like, it's more negative than positive between the two of them. So, like, that scene in the car together was really good. So, I wish, yes. like you said, if they focus less – maybe 25 to 25 i wish that was like a 25 percent of it they focus on the good stuff but yeah i mine what i would change kind of ties into that um and i would revise the character of character of carla i don't think it was fiorentino's performance that was the problem although i don't think that was like great and it was her first movie so um you wouldn't expect it to be i think it's a character it's she's from new jersey so she's like this like tough east coast girl but she's an artist which you know okay fine you could be an artist from new jersey but the attitude she walks around with the whole time it's just it's a little much i think she goes a little too hard with like the on this big bad girl but then at the same time she walks into a room and loudens like sniffing her underwear and she doesn't like it's it there's just inconsistencies and i think that if the character was better this movie would be less of like a, a cult classic and more of an eighties classic. Um, what, a, what she was like the quintessential like eighties babe though, in this movie with like the crazy hair and whatever. But I, I just, I don't know who I would like them to read to change the character to, but if she wasn't so like walking around with a chip on her shoulder all the time, or if she was just consistent with that, it would, it wouldn't, you know, I don't think they have enough time in the film to to break down person who has all these walls around her to break her down the right way to her being like vulnerable. So it just seemed forced or like random. So that would be the one thing I would change is mostly the character. Although I don't think Fiorentino was she was her first movie, so she wasn't amazing. But I don't. I think a lot of it wasn't her fault. Um, and then the other note I wrote down, I didn't know where to put it. Uh, this is something I would change because I was cracking up. But uh, the coach, the wrestling coach, wearing a polo with a wrestling singlet over the polo. Now, I didn't wrestle in high school. A lot of my friends wrestled in high school. I knew the wrestling coach in my high school. I've been to wrestling practices. I did it when I was in middle school a little bit. I've never seen that outfit, especially when you're like, maybe maybe if you're like a kid who just graduated five years ago and now you're the wrestling coach but when you're like a 50 something year old out of shape guy i don't think that's i'm not sure but i don't think that's how wrestling coaches dress so it's funny i went on a, uh are you familiar with reddit yeah yeah oh, so i went on reddit joe i'm not uh, I, uh, yes I, i'm just making sure so i want to read it after just like just to see where people's thoughts were it's just like i like whenever i watch a tv show or a movie I like comparing my opinion to other people's opinions to see where i fall in line and one of the people who posted on this years ago, they said they're a wrestler and they hate this movie for the simple fact that the coach wears a polo under Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That just doesn't happen. Like that doesn't happen. I, again, I'm not, I didn't wrestle in high school. I don't pretend to be an expert, but that's not how life is. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So all that said, um, so if you've listened to the podcast before, um, you know, we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you be, would you mind paying a lady to keep this movie? So a score of one is you get to that spot where the guy is like Tai Chi groping uh, Loudon. And then you're like, this is stupid. You turn it off and you don't finish the movie. 
score of five is you, you rented the movie, you wanted to keep it an extra day or two, pass the pass when it's due back, pay a late fee, maybe even buy it from the from the rental store because you like it so much. So it's my movie, so I believe Joe goes first. Joe, on a scale of one to five, what's your what's your review of uh, Vision Quest? I'm gonna give it a three. I think if it focused more on the wrestling side of things and not the romance like we just talked about, I think it could have been a great movie. I think it could have been a great sports movie that we'd be talking about, like you said, kind of like we'd be going back to in 2020. The characters I felt were kind of cringy at times with their acting. Again, some of them are newbies at this point, so that's understandable. Yeah. But I just, my biggest thing is the fact that the strongest points of the film were the matches. And if they focused more on that, I, I would have loved it. But unfortunately, it just kind of, it's trying to, it's been so much fun to trying to figure out if, you know, if having the viewer go along on their romantic adventure with, does she like him? Does he like her? You know, it's like this kind of back and forth thing. And then it ends with her leaving in the end. So it didn't even matter. Yeah, no, I, I think that's very. Yeah. yeah, which was, like I said, more wrestling, which is a shame because that last sequence was so good. It really was like, it, my brother and I were like, he's actually, we were on the edge of our seats kind of, more so, we thought he was going to die. So we were kind of wondering if he was going <laughs> to die in the match. But it was still got us to the edge of our seats, though. So Whatever. Yeah, as long as you're on the edge, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so I totally understand this is a niche movie. It'd be tough to get an 18-year-old kid to watch this movie, if unless he was like a high school wrestler. I think those are the only people that watch this movie now is kids that are wrestlers because it's really the only movie they have or it's one of the few wrestling movies that they have. Um, I thought rewatching this would would damage it for me a lot and it really didn't i think it's definitely flawed for sure like i said at the beginning uh it goes a little hard with the stereotypical high school boy stuff um but i think it has a good supporting cast like that they're not it's not so much even the cast but it's the the dialogue between some of them is great with cooch and loudon's father and 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 Elmo, who I think is the MVP of the of the movie, even for for the amount of time he has on screen, I almost think they could have either done away with Loudon's father, or introduced him for a second to be like, this is Loudon's father, Loudon has a dad, but focus more on on Elmo. But either way, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think if it was a football movie or a basketball movie or a boxing movie, it would be much more popular. I think the fact that it's a wrestling movie is tough. Like I said, it's a niche movie that I would never try to convince anyone or just anyone to watch unless they had some sort of tie. Uh, but for me, the uh, flaws are common uh, in 80s films and all the flaws were kind of stereotypical 80s movie flaws. So I also gave it a three out of five. So, okay. Yeah. I'm realistic, Joe. I'm not. All right. <laughs> I like the movie. I really like the movie. And I think it's, I, I have a, I'll always love it. But but I I recognize that it's not an Academy Award winner and but, the scenes but it's a fun good. movie right the scenes that are good are really good like yeah. again the wrestling scene's really good I love when the teachers of the poetry scene when he's talking about like death and life like that was a really strong scene Elmo talking about what sports means to him and the like yep. there are some really good scenes in this yep. movie yeah and, and I I give it credit for for not being every other movie like. If you if you make a football movie, you automatically make X million dollars because people just they just eat that stuff up. So the fact that it was different in a bunch of ways, it's uh, and I really enjoyed it. It, it. Yeah, I I just I enjoyed it. It's it's not perfect. It's far from perfect. And and there's other than Elmo, there's really no performance in it that I'm like 
blown away by oh how do we not mention Forrest, Forrest Whitaker, Whitaker. Random, I, I, had random, no, I had a no in here as well and I was just gonna I was gonna bring up in the end but I know not that he did seen, anything great but right I don't, I don't remember seeing young Forrest Whitaker in any film so this is kind of like this is I think my first time seeing him in like that age so I'm like wow he's, he's still a yeah. big dude <laughs> the the only other movie that I think of seeing Forrest Whitaker in before he was Forrest Whitaker and and it probably wasn't because I think he probably had some other movies at this time but uh, the movie Blown Away set in Boston. I don't remember when that came out. I want to say like 93, 94 maybe, but he's in that. And that was kind of before his big, you know, rise to fame. But, but this is way before that. This is like eight plus years yeah. before that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I think, I think it's a fair assessment from you. Um, so yeah, I think that's good. You give it a chance and see what you think. And that that's awesome. So the beer, um, Really liked Love and Wrestling from Mayflower, uh, Mayflower Brewing. There are like it's crazy how many good, especially it seems like double IPAs that are out there right now. Um, this is another one. If you have access to it, highly recommend it. Uh, recommend picking it up. So did um, you did you look into uh, the can? By the way, super cool. It has like these neon colors. But did you yes. ever look into like the? Have you ever seen Glow? That I kind of talked to you about this. The Netflix show Glow about wrestling. I have not. No. Okay, so that looked up because I think that can is very much inspired by Glow. It has like the same colored layout, and again, it's as uh, female focused wrestling. So I wonder if that can came from that because it's super cool. That I love like me, yeah, yes, super cool colors. And again, I, I beer with a cool can art kind of wins me over more than anything yeah, else. No, <laughs> I know we've said it before, but I think the best the best marketing minds in the world right now are working at microbreweries, and and because nothing no other food or drink or, or any product will like stop me in my tracks and be like, I'm buying that. I don't know anything about that company or, or whatever, but I'm buying that. Um, I had had one of, I Mayflower makes like another stout. I don't remember what it's called. It might just be called stout, but I had that um, over the winter and it was really good. But when I saw this beer in um, a craft beer cellar in Amesbury, I literally was like, I'm buying that because we're going to watch Vision Quest and I'm, <laughs> that's like the most perfect. How would you, I wouldn't know how to find a move, how find a beer for Vision Quest, but to walk down an aisle and see a beer that's called Love and Wrestling, I was like, that's the most perfect thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So, um, so follow us on Instagram. We're at the late fee. Suggestions are always welcome. Um, we'll be back next week and uh, it's Joe's pick next week. So, uh, it should be Joe's pick. That said, if you want to send in a suggestion to uh, worth the late fee on Instagram, you'll kind of cut to the front of the line and get ahead of Joe. But if you don't cut to the front of the line, Joe was going between a few options before we started recording. And I have honestly have no idea what he's picking. and I'm kind of terrified right now. So I gave a few example options to Eric in the beginning here, and he was not a fan of any of them. So <laughs> uh, To be I, clear... To- to be clear, I, my my problem is I just wanted to. I was gonna say Eric made it very clear because I've been picking a lot of PG or under films, so I have to go above the PG rating this time. So. Yes, yes. So my these the, the films I pitch will make an appearance, but instead I went a little uh took a little detour and I'm going to pick Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, that's awesome! So, yep. You don't even know how excited I am for one <laughs> two when I lived in Stoneham with my dad we had like two VHS's or like three 
I've probably seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as much uh, as any other movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, awesome. Okay. I, yes. I haven't seen it in years. So again, I, I kind of want some reason to re-watch the other ones anyways before the new one comes out. So this is a Exactly. It's a perfect that. time. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. Awesome. I'm excited. So, all right. So we'll be back next week with uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Joe's Pick. And uh, thank you guys very much for listening. Yep. As always, guys, thank you.